This is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Whether you're listening in the morning or afternoon, we appreciate you tuning in today. A lot to get to on this episode of the podcast. Wisconsin and Michigan tonight in Ann Arbor, an important game for the University of Wisconsin. We're going to talk about that game with our special guest, Brian Butch, the former McDonald's All-American and Wisconsin standout, does some commentary for the Big Ten Network. We're going to talk about uh, the hot streak the Badgers have been on here over the last several weeks, what the addition of Micah Potter has meant for the Badgers, what the subtraction of Kobe King has meant for the Badgers, talk about uh, some looking back at some past experiences that Brian went through with the locker room in terms of uh, players who were unhappy, how they dealt with that, uh, the pick and pop center, how important that is to Wisconsin's success, the model of sustainability with Wisconsin, all sorts of topics that we're going to talk to Brian Butch about. Him and I talked on Wednesday morning for about a half hour or so, and we're going to bring all that to you here shortly. The news of the week here, there's a lot of it covering both Wisconsin football and basketball. We'll start with basketball. Wisconsin on Sunday beat Rutgers at the Kohl Center. Uh, won't talk as much about that just because so many days have passed since then, but the Badgers kind of survived gut check week. We talked about that last week on the podcast on how these games were going to be important for Wisconsin, two teams that beat you up physically on the boards earlier this season, how you get them at home, and that you had to take control of those games, and Wisconsin did that for the most part. Uh, not maybe as much against Ruck, against Purdue, excuse me, uh, with the amount of offensive rebounds that Boilermakers ended up getting. I think it was 15 that led to 19 second-chance points. But Rutgers was held to seven offensive rebounds. That's the fewest the Badgers have allowed uh, in over a month, a little over a month and a half or so. So good performance for Wisconsin. It puts them right in the thick of the Big Ten race. Some not-so-good results for the Badgers uh, on Wednesday night. Last night, Maryland overcame a 17-point deficit to beat Minnesota on a last-second three-point shot. The Gophers uh, just absolutely imploded down the stretch, which does not serve Wisconsin well. Now the Badgers are two and a half games behind Maryland with four games to go. So it's looking uh, a little bit like Wisconsin is going to be playing for second place. And Penn State got a big home win over Rutgers. Penn State had a big uh, three-point shot uh, late in that game as well to kind of starve off Rutgers' big comeback bid. So Rutgers uh, has fallen now to 18-11-9-9 the Big Ten. They're, they're still going to make the tournament. Penn State is now 11-6 in the Big Ten. So Wisconsin's going into Ann Arbor tonight, a half game behind Penn State and Michigan State, and tied with Illinois in uh, in the Big Ten at 10-6 uh, overall. Still lots to play. Wisconsin has an easier schedule here. Uh, after this game against number 19 Michigan. Michigan's playing really well. They have the longest win streak in the Big Ten at five games. So this will be an important game for Wisconsin to go back on the road. Wisconsin hasn't played as well on the road. That's been well documented. But certainly the Badgers won their last road game winning at Nebraska. An important win for them to kind of get back in that winning uh, momentum. So uh, we'll talk about more about Wisconsin-Michigan here later with, with Brian Butch, but we have to get to Wisconsin football. There's been some big news on that front, too. Ted Gilmore, the Wisconsin wide receiver coach, has left for Michigan State to be the tight end coach, reportedly offered a seven-figure salary. Paul Chris has done a good job of retaining his assistant coaches. There hasn't been much movement over the last several years. Uh, wasn't any movement after uh, the 2018-2018 season. Uh, but you know you go to the Rose Bowl and you're you're 
good coaches are going to get uh, they're going to get poached every now and then. And Michigan State apparently throwing seven figures at Ted Gilmore. Uh, hard to turn that kind of money down. Gilmore with Wisconsin for five years. Not the greatest recruiter in the world, but certainly he did find uh, Quintez Cephas and brought him in, developed him along with guys like A.J. Taylor and Jazz Peavy, some of the players that really shined under Gilmore's tutelage. Uh, but this is going to be a critical jun- juncture for Paul Chris. He needs to make a really good hire here because the wide receiving group at Wisconsin is very, very young after Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, two players that really didn't have a huge impact last season who are going to need to have a bigger impact this year. You have guys like Taj Mustafa and A.J. Abbott and uh, Stephen Bracey and Kate Green and Emmett Perry. Those two have been injured quite a bit. You have a number of walk-ons and Jack Dunn and Adam Krumholtz. All these guys need to be developed because you look at Wisconsin's offense uh, football-wise here coming up, for this 2020 season, you're going to have a quarterback competition maybe between Jack Cohn and Graham Mertz. You're not going to have Jonathan Taylor anymore. You're not going to have the interior of your offensive line. Tyler Biotish is not there anymore. Jason Erdman and David Mormon graduated, and now you're going to be without some of your top wide receivers as well with a new wide receiver coach. So this offense is going to kind of go through a makeover a little bit, and you're going to need some depth at that position. Our spring football previews are up on BadgerBlitz.com. We're doing one a day until the start of spring football, which is going to be the second week of March. Quarterbacks, running backs, fullbacks, and wide receivers are up. Tight ends are going to be up today as well. So each day a new preview for our subscribers. So be sure to log on, check that out, and subscribe if you haven't already to BadgerBlitz.com. You also look at what's going on in Indianapolis with the Combine. A number of former Badgers are competing there, uh, or I should say uh, working out there for NFL scouts. Uh, weigh-ins have gone on over the last several uh, days or so. Quintess Cephas, uh, we'll start with him first. Six foot and seven eighths, 202 pounds, uh, 32 and an eighth arm measurement, eight and six eighths hands, and a 77 inch wingspan. Uh, for all you draft combine gurus out there. But the big number that you can look at is Quintess Cephas put down 23 reps at 225 pounds on the bench press. That's the most of any prospect who performed the bench press on Wednesday and per UW Athletics because they have uh, information on all of this stuff. Cephas's 23 reps tied former tailback James White for the fourth most reps for a skilled position player at the bench press at the NFL Combine for a Wisconsin player. Only tight ends Travis Beckham, 28, and Lance Kendricks, 25, and running back Mark Montgomery, 24, had more reps than Cephas. Uh, Cephas also said he had a formal interview with the Carolina Panthers and an informal interview with the Green Bay Packers. And Jonathan Taylor and outside linebacker Zach Bond are also going to be participating in drills. Jonathan Taylor has said he's shooting for a 4-4 uh, 40-yard dash. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's measurables, uh, about what you would expect uh, from a player of his caliber. Big track size guy, yeah, 5'10", 2'8", and 2'8", 226 pounds, uh, 9 and 4'8", hands, uh, 31 and 1'8", arm length, and 75 and 3'8", wingspan. Uh, you also look at Tyler Biotish, who was not participating at the NFL Combine because he went through uh, shoulder surgery uh, to fix uh, his AC joint. His goal was to get that done, so he's ready for OTAs. He came in at 6'3 and 5'8", 314 pounds, 10-inch hands, 32 and 2'8 arm, uh, arm span, and 79 and 7'8 wingspan. Bionis uh, is kind of one of those players that could be a first-round draft pick. I would definitely say a second-round draft pick at worst. 
him not performing at the Combine and at UW's Pro Day uh, certainly might hurt him a little bit, but his uh, I think the work that he's put on film will kind of speak for itself as the Remington Award winner from this past season. Uh, and Zach Bond, his measurable 6'2 and 3 eighths, 238 pounds, 9 and 5 eighths hands, 32 and 6 eighths arms, and 78 and uh, 78 and 2 eighths wingspan. So those are the former Badgers that are going to be competing at uh, the Combine or participating down at the Combine. A little surprised that uh, Chris Orr didn't get an invite, uh, one of the top inside linebackers in the Big Ten this past season, but he will work out at UW's Pro Day with a number of other former players. So that's really what's going on here in the landscape of Wisconsin athletics. Uh, don't want to spend a ton of time breaking down things because we want to get to our guests coming up here in Brian Butch here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Our guest this week is an analysis on the uh, the Big Ten Network and for the Wisconsin Herd of the NBA G League. He's also co-host of BJ and the Bear on the Score, 95.3 and 99.1 in Appleton, and the man in charge of the Brian Butch basketball camps, former Wisconsin All-American Brian Butch joins the podcast. And Polar Bear, it's good to chat with you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Like, I love this time of year. It's a busy time of year, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing when the team that you cheer for, the team that you cover, is relevant. And I think as we talk uh, on Wednesday morning, the Badgers sit at 10-6 and six in the league and two games behind Maryland in the Big Ten. From you watching them, what what is working for Wisconsin over the course of this recent hot streak that maybe we did not see um, in the month or two prior to this? Well, I think, uh, excuse me, Demetri Trice has done a great job of being a point guard. Uh, I think he's realized he doesn't need to score all the time. He's really done a great job of making others better. Uh, we've seen that with Aline Ford. We've seen that with uh, Nate Reavers. We've seen that with Michael Potter. Uh, he's still able to score, and he still is willing to score, still does score, but it's the timing of when that is. And then obviously this group is a group that's making shots right now. And I know it sounds really simple to say that, but this group needs to make shots. It has its shortcomings, and we know what the shortcomings are. If they don't make shots, it's going to be tough for them to score points. But I think how they're getting their shots has been better, and that's been set up by Demetri Trice. Now, you, you've been part of teams during the course of your career that have rebounded from tough losses and other teams that haven't. They haven't been able to pull themselves out of, of a slump. What's the key to turning things around during those troubled times to get back on course? Well, I think especially with this group more than anything, it's been the fact that they've come together. I think you saw uh, Nate Reaver's shirt. Um, the manager sound like they had the shirt as well that supported Coach Guard. And that speaks volumes. When you have young kids, want to jump on board and go about it that way, it speaks what that locker room is all about. That locker room is for each other, and I think that, to me, is what explains the why they've you know been on this winning streak. Now, they've got an extremely tough game against probably the hottest team in the Big Ten, Michigan. I'll say this. I think they go in and win. I think this group understands that when their back is up against the wall, they've responded. This is a game where their back is up against the wall, not because of how well they've been playing, but because they're playing against the hottest team on the road. Um, I think this is a win that kind of propels this group. Again, they've got to make shots. That's the key Thursday night. You look at each team. Each team is its own uh, identity unto itself. Each team comes along at different paces. Uh, why do you think in, in the first two months of the season that this team didn't quite come together? I mean, there weren't a lot of new pieces in play here uh, other than Tyler Wall, who I thought is, is playing at a, a very 
uh, exceptional level for a true freshman who's undersized in the Big Ten. But you had, like, Demetri Trice has played a lot. Brad Davison had played a lot. Kobe King had played a lot. Nate Reavers had played a lot. So th this group is familiar with each other, and it just didn't gel for the first two months. Well, why do you think that happens to teams that have so many players back that it just takes them longer to kind of find a rhythm? Well, you hit it right on the head. There's a lot of guys playing a lot. That's because there was a guy that was missing that was going to give them minutes. And I think not having Michael Potter around, you were asking a lot of a lot of guys, right? The main guy that affected most was Nate Rivers. You had him on the floor, and you were trying to get so much out of him that he was probably playing more minutes than what everybody was comfortable with, to be honest. And I think you saw that. I think you, know, you saw it wear on Sunday a little bit. So I think that, to me, was the biggest thing with this group because Tyler Wall played well, but you couldn't have, you know, give him the minutes as a young freshman right away. He's trying to figure it all out. So you had to rely on guys, and you had to play them heavy minutes, and you couldn't really get to what you wanted to get to. And so for me, it's just it's the Michael Potter situation where you're 5-5 five and five with him, you're 12-5 and five with, or without him, you're 5-5 five five with him, you're 12-5. That speaks volumes because that twelve and five is all more or less Big Ten play. There's a game against Tennessee in there, I understand, but uh, and, and another one before that. But you look at that in general. That I think is the biggest reason you finally are able to get these guys the minutes that they need without forcing too much. You know, and you, you get a guy in a rotation that's done a really good job. Obviously, you know his ability to shoot, uh, stretch the floor. He's a 50 from the floor, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. He's given you everything that this uh, group has needed, and that's why they've won. I want to ask you about those two gentlemen. I'll start with, with Nate. You, know, you were a, a one time, not too long ago, a five-star prospect, and you famously decided to redshirt to prepare your body for the, the course of the remainder of your career. You know, Nate didn't have that luxury, but has kind of found a way to grind through it. What has impressed you about what he's done in three years, despite arguably still being a little bit undersized when it comes to being a true five in the Big Ten? Yeah, well, I think Nate's used his strength, right? His strength, his ability to stretch the floor. You know, you look at matchups. Um, I think a great example is uh, Kofi Colburn from uh, Illinois. You got a, he's physically gifted. He's trying to learn the game. Nate understands the game. He's trying to become physically gifted, right? Not that Nate's not a heck of an athlete, um, because he is, but I think it's the strength part that has grown, and you, you've seen that this year. Uh, he's really gotten better, and I think that's been the exciting part for what the future will be for this for him. Uh, you know, I think you see already what he's doing as he's leading the team in scoring, and um, you know his growth, his development has been great. I think having the help of Michael Potter there has also been a good thing for him uh, because you can't you can't play. You know, 38 minutes at the level that you want to play at. Um, so being able to get a breather, then come back in and, and play at the level that you want to play at, I think has been a huge uh, help for him as well. A lot of people, Brian, wanted Micah Potter to come in and really save the day. When this team was 5-5, five and five, they wanted him to come in and be a 15-8 guy and, and average that from the start. It, it takes time, especially when you have to unlearn things from an old way and then relearn things a new way. How impressed are you with what Potter has done now that he has 17 games under his belt and he really appears to have found a really good rhythm and found what his role is being asked of him on this team? Yeah, well, I think well, a lot of what it's been is just he's come in and he has fit a role. He's been able to stretch the floor. 
He's been able to rebound the basketball, and I think that's been the biggest area that this group needs to help with, and that's what he was able to do through 17 games. And um, you know, it's that that area. Even though you know you've seen some games where the Badgers have out, but out rebounded, it wasn't nearly as bad as it was the first 10. And I think that's been the area where Mike Potter's been so good. Obviously, everyone wants to look at the points, but for me, it's been his ability to rebound the basketball and anchor that middle. Uh, I think has been a huge part for this Wisconsin success, especially when you look at what the Big Ten has been. The Big Ten this year has been full of bigs. Um, you, you can just, any team you can name a big that is playing at a high level, and it seems like all 14 teams have that. Obviously, maybe not Nebraska, but um, everybody else, even Northwestern, you know, they've got great post play. And so I think being able to have multiple guys and, that could come in and, and, you know, relieve a little bit of what Nate Reavers has done and put pressure and be able to, you know, anchor that pulse has been huge. Brian Butch joining us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I want to ask you, Brian, a little bit about style and not maybe in the way that you think I'm going to. You know, Wisconsin has had a tremendous run of pick-and-pop centers over the course of the last 10-plus years. You know, you, uh, Jared Bergeron, Frank Kaminsky, you can throw John Lure into that mix to a degree. But really, kind of in the last four or five years, the Badgers have trended away from that. They really haven't had that type of player who can, a big who can step out and shoot. Potter's starting to get there to a degree. We've seen that over the course of the last several games. Is that a sign of changing times in the country or simply just the makeup of Wisconsin's roster over the last couple of years that they haven't had that dynamic? I think it's the makeup. Obviously, you had a, a, a you know, player in Ethan Happ. Um, that was a focal point of your offense. It's no different than when people said Wisconsin can't shoot free throws. No, Wisconsin, the program, has been built on that. It's just you had two players in Cleo Iverson and Ethan Happ that couldn't shoot free throws. And that was the storyline over the last couple of, of uh, years. Oh, well, they're a horrible free throw shooting team. No, two people were. And this group has continued to go back to what Wisconsin was built on. And that's, hey, you get a lead, you play defense, you get to the free throw line, you make your free throws, you win games. It's that simple. Now, this isn't rocket science. And I think getting back to the guys, you look at the recruiting class that they're bringing in, they, again, stretch bigs, they can stretch the floor, you get five guys out, you move the ball. Not one person that's going to have this huge, you know, dynamic success. It's going to be five guys that are unselfish, that want to make that extra pass, that want to scream for each other, that want to cut off the screen, that want to just play the game the right way. When you get guys in there like that, whether they're a five-star, four-star, it's all about finding guys that fit your system. That's what college basketball is all about. You know, and you look at what the Big Ten is, the Big Ten is an old league. And when I mean an old league, it's guys that stick around normally for junior and senior years, not a lot of one-and-done guys in the Big Ten. And then you look at the coaching, the coaching is the best in the, in, in the country. So you know that you're going to be prepared. You know that you've got to follow scouting reports, and you know you've got to play your way. And if you don't, you're going to lose. So having old guys with great coaching results in some really good basketball and systems and foundations and cultures and programs, and that's what it is. I mean, the Big Ten is a program league. Um, it's not like you've got one uh, one team that wins every other year. You you know who are you know what teams are going to be you know at, at top of that Big Ten, and that's what you're seeing. That's why you're seeing such success continually year after year after year from the normal teams. And that's why Wisconsin, as we talked today, is in the top, you know, going to compete for a top four yet again in Big Ten play. It's, they finally got back to kind of the guys that they need. Not that Ethan Happ wasn't, wasn't good, really, really good. But I think it put um, Coach Gard and, 
situation because you want to get the ball to your best player. Late game situations when you're closing it out, you want to run yourself, and you couldn't. Let's just be honest. You couldn't get the ball to either half late in the game because it could make free throws. It feels like, too, that, Brian, the game has changed a little bit to a degree, that, that there's so much new emphasis on the three-point shot. I mean, the three-point shot was just extended here recently. It feels like Wisconsin has a model that consistently lets them compete, but they almost need those bigs that can step out and shoot perimeter shots consistently, and I think that's maybe the added dimension that has helped them this year, that Reavers is comfortable stepping out, and now we've seen Potter step out and shoot. You, that's got to be something that has to be consistent with them moving forward, right? You need to be able to have a big that can take advantage of those matchup problems and open up the offense the way that you did, Frank did, and so on and so forth. Well, I think it's matchup problems. I also think it's spacing, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime you've got a big that can bring a, uh, another big out of the paint, it gives you space. And when you have space, it gives you lanes to create. It gives you lanes to drive. So anytime you're able to do that, and then you're able to drive and put pressure at the rim, because there's a lot. So anytime in this game of basketball, you want to put pressure at the rim, right? And you hear Coach Gard talk about the 10-foot zone and wanting to get there. There's numerous ways to get there. Obviously, the post is what so many people focus on. Oh, you get you know post play, you can get it close to the basket. But there's other ways of doing that as well. One of the ways is just driving the basketball, putting pressure on the rim that way. And I think when you have a big that is able to stretch the floor, it gives you more room. It gives your guards more room to drive and attack. And that together, working both of those, is why you had success. And I think Wisconsin, they're getting back to having those lanes and those driving lanes be open. Because uh, a lot of teams obviously want to pack the paint and make it very difficult. But having that uh, ability as a big to, to pull that defender out really helps. A lot of these guys have taken a huge step forward, Brian, in the last month. You mentioned Aleem Ford earlier. Brevin Pritzel is doing more than just shooting with his ability to rebound. Uh, Demetric Trice's assist turnover ratio is, is through the roof with what he's done in the last month. All this kind of has... This, this big uprise really started after Kobe King announced that he was going to transfer midseason. And I know you were vocal about your disagreement with how Kobe was transferring midseason. You felt that he should, probably should have finished out the season. But yeah. could, in, this, in this way, could this almost be an addition by subtraction because you remove someone who's not happy with his relationship with a coach and not happy with his relationship within an offense? And with him leaving, you take points away from the roster that you need other people to step up and those players have stepped up in a big way? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of that this year. I think with the removal of Ethan Happ, um, there was addition by subtraction. Again, you see, you know, look at the Purdue game as they close that out at the free throw line. Last year, they wouldn't have been able to do that mm-hmm. because you would have needed Ethan in there on the defensive end. He gets a rebound and he doesn't make both his free throws. Let's, let's be honest, right? That's, that's the reality of what it was. So I think you've had it on that side. But I think with Kobe leaving, you do. You, you, what it did more than anything to me is I think you had a group of, of young adults come together as a group. And anytime you get a, anytime you get a locker room that comes together, anytime that they decide that you know what, it doesn't matter what the outside noise is saying. It's all about what ha- what's happening inside of that locker room. That's when you're going to have great success, and that's what we've seen. Um, you know, did, do I agree with Kobe leaving halfway through the season? No, I don't. Do I agree with the way that it all went down? Probably not. Um, for me, I didn't like the fact that he came out and you know, kind of questioned Coach Guard's his, his personal uh, relationship with him. I think that, to me, like I said, I mean, I'm, one of the reasons I'm sitting doing the Big Ten Network stuff is because of Coach Guard, uh, his ability to 
uh, make a couple phone calls and help me out as long as uh, as well as you know Coach Alvarez and everybody else. So I, I just I think that to me is what kind of rubbed me the wrong way more than anything. Um, you know, it, you have to want to be coached, and we as individuals and especially you know culturally here the last couple of, of years. I don't know how many people, excuse me, want to be coached anymore. And it's okay to be criticized. It's okay. You, you've got to be able to to want to get more out of yourself. There's been plenty of times that Coach Ryan coached me. Was it always the right tone? Was it always the right way? I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I took away the message, and I know the message was always right. And I think that's what matters, is you have to know what, what the big picture is. And I think more than anything, this group that's in that locker room now realizes that the message is correct, and if we stick to the message and we stick to the game plan, we're going to win games. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so I don't think there's anyone in that locker room that's questioning the game plan, that's questioning what you know what needs to get done on the court to win games. A couple more minutes here with Brian Butch. Uh, in your five years in the program, Brian, how many situations were there when a player was unhappy because of something either Bo said or something that was happening on the court that either A, caused a disruption in the locker room, or B, needed, that player needed to be kind of talked off the edge of wanting to leave the program? Did that come up much in, in your tenure? That's a great question, right? And, and the biggest thing here is, like, transferring wasn't that big of a thing. It uh, wasn't, you know, no. We, no, right? So, like, my time, the biggest thing that we had was, oh, fifth-year transfers. Oh, maybe you could do it if you graduate, right? Now you can transfer if you have a hangnail, um, it sounds like, mm-hmm. and it seems like. So uh, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, were guys upset after days? Of course they were. Did, did guys get into it with Coach Ryan? Of course they did. I mean, but that's what being a team, and that's what – you know, athletics is about. You can't tell me that there's fifth graders that don't didn't have a good practice that are upset at a coach if they're actually being coached. You can't tell me that there's high school players that aren't happy with things. The, the, the biggest thing in general, and, and when that happened in our locker room, we were able to take care of it in the locker room. Guys said, you know what, just shut up. You're fine. Like, you know what, he had a point, or you know what, I don't agree with coach. Like, we're all right, let's, let's get together. Like, that's how we handled it handle the locker room, and that was it. But I think, you know, right now, we're, we're in a situation, um, big picture-wise, where it's the high school guy, coach's fault why I'm not playing. It's not the fact that I didn't do anything all summer. It's not the fact that I was just playing AU and I didn't work on my game. It's the high school's fault, coach's fault that I'm not playing. He doesn't like me. He doesn't, you know, instead of just looking in the mirror first. I think we're getting away from that a little bit, big picture-wise. This, and that has nothing to do with Colby. That's just big pitcher situation, um, it's always easy to blame somebody else versus to look in the mirror first. And I wish more of us had that mentality of, you know what, maybe if I just worked harder and improved, I'd play more. Instead, it's always somebody else's fault. It's the instant gratification society. You know, with social media, you put something up on Twitter, you want to see the likes and the retweets. You go to a program, you want to be a you want to play right away, you want to be an impact. A lot of people have a hard time not getting that type of recognition when they've been the big fish in a small pond for a long period of time, whether it be AAU or high school high school sports, right? I mean, no question. For me, there's always, a, there's always a red flag that goes up when you've got uh, the Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, whatever, you know, TikTok, I should say, <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever you've got on it, and all of a sudden you get those, those players that say, I'm grinding in the lab today. Well, no, you're not. You're putting stuff on social media. You're not working out. Like, you're not doing both. So 
that's always a red flag for me. I, I've, I've always liked the guys that get in, get their work done. Don't need to tell anybody. They're, they're talking, and their Instagram posts and all that stuff happens when they play in the season. Those are the guys I like. How has the program evolved under guard from the program you played for when guard was the associate head coach? I mean, I know the the thought process is the same, the identity is the same, the fundamentals and the focal points are the same. Has anything else really evolved from when Greg took uh, the reins from Bo and made it his own program? You know, I think what, what has happened is it's changed a little bit as far as the transfers and stuff like that has happened a little bit, but I don't, I don't think it's changed a whole lot. It's, you know, the principles are, are the principles. Uh, the players that you want to get to fit the system are the players that they want to get to say, you know, they're the same players. Um, so I, I really honestly don't think a lot has changed. Obviously, Greg's done a good job of putting his spin on things, and I think that's been exciting to see. Um, but in general, it's Wisconsin basketball. This is what it's built on. Built on guys that want to work hard, not complain, and just work on getting the, you know, getting the job done, defend, and uh, you know, run good offense. So you get the shots you want. And, and for me, I love the, the, the question about the style because you've had success for 20 years with that style, more or less. You know, Dick Bennett brought it kind of a little bit of that a little bit. And you see you know, Virginia winning a national title doing the same way. So you can't have both. You can't want 20 years of success running the same style and then all of a sudden want that change. Like it, it doesn't work like that, but that's what fans want. People think it's easy too to recruit the the kind of four star and five star kids needed to elevate to that type of level. I mean, so you have to get lucky sometimes. I mean, that team from five years ago. I mean, Sam was in state, high highly talented kid in state that Wisconsin was able to get. Bronson Kang, you know, four star kid in state, and they caught lightning in a bottle with Frank, who put in the work and developed from this kid that hardly anyone knew outside the state of Wisconsin, state of Illinois to the best player in the game. You just kind of have to catch, you know, lightning in the ball sometimes. And, you know, with Wisconsin's offense and defense, and we've seen it, and you've been a part of it, it neutralizes teams that sometimes have, quote-unquote, superior talent. And if you buy into the fundamentals, more often than not, it's going to work for you, right? Well, and you talk about that group, but, I mean, obviously the group that I was part of, we were, Number one in the country, right? Yeah. And if I don't dislocate my elbow, I think it changes. So I think the storyline would have changed it had our group been able to put it together. Now, obviously, injuries happen, things happen. And again, a lot of it in the NC tournament comes to, to where you're at and the matchups you have. And the problem is, you know, my senior year, we lose to Davidson. Like, if we don't play Davidson, I think we that's another chance of a Final Four team. We would have ended up playing uh, Kansas, who ended up winning the whole thing. But I thought we matched up well with Kansas. Mm-hmm. We didn't get there. You know, and I think that's the thing about the NCAA tournament. You can say everything you want. Obviously, um, you know, Virginia in the first round two years ago didn't have a great matchup either. Like, you've got to have good matchups to determine. That's what people don't realize when you talk about this year. You know, you're looking at 10 Big Ten teams getting in, possibly 11. And we won't know how good this league is until the tournament starts. But again, a lot of it will be based on the matchups that are happening and occur when the brackets come out, uh, almost now two and a half weeks away. So I get where that's all going. I just, there's, there's part of that where, um, you know, it just, it does. It becomes that. It, it is the matchups. 
Yeah, I mean, you're, that team that you mentioned to, uh, 06, 07, you know, Orlando was first team unanimous, all Big Ten. Cam was second team. Mike Flowers was honorable mention. You know, Bo Jason Bohan was on that team. Uh, you had uh, Trayvon Hughes was a young player on that team. Joe, Joe Krabinoff and Landry were on that team. And th that team was stacked. But you have an injury, and you run into a hot shooting UNLV team with a grad transfer on the team, and they, they get you. And then a couple years earlier, you guys put together something special, and you run into the eventual national champion, North Carolina, lose to them by six. You mentioned uh, a year later, uh, you ran into Davison with this little-known guy named Steph Curry who had an all-tournament run. It just is all about matchups, and, you know, you're right. I think if if you guys put together that 0607708 season, I think that changes the entire narrative of what Wisconsin is. It just it just took a little bit longer until the team found the right uh, matchups to go to back to back Final Fours. And I think that's what it is because if you get a group, you'd have a Final Four team in 2000, you'd have a Final Four team in 2007, you would have had a Final Four team back to back there. You'd have four Final Fours in the last 20 years the narrative changes. Instead, you get one in the 2000s and then you get two, um, you, know, you know, 15 years apart. That changes the narrative as well. So, hey, it is what it is. You got to have things go your way. That's basketball. That's break. But uh, big picture, we, it is, you know, it's what it is. And mm -hmm. you, you grow to, to know that's the game. As much as you love the game, there's heartache, there's that, but there's so much joy on the other side as well. And that's why we love it. You hate playing the what if game, Brian, but I just I would love to have seen what that team that you you were on back in '07. What would have happened had you not hurt your elbow at Ohio State? Because you lose on a buzzer beer in Columbus, then you lose them. Uh, I think like a week and a half later in uh, Chicago, yeah. and then the tournament. I I think you were oh so close to playing against UNLV, and you probably would have played the next weekend against Oklahoma State or whoever it would have been. That would have been a fun team to see at full strength what you guys could have done the last couple of weeks of the year. Yeah, I don't think you're the only, I, I, I know you're not the only one thinking that. Uh, again, when it, hey, it's life. You know, there's a mm -hmm. lot of things that play through it, and um, hey, it's one of those things that you just, it is what it is. Uh, and we were really, we had a good group, you know, we had a good run. Um, you know, that Ohio State team with Greg Oden and Mike Conley was pretty good as well. So you never know how that all would have played out. But I know it, uh, it would have been fun to be a part of it. Yeah, well, you, you got your you swept the Big Ten titles the next year too, and had a pretty special run uh, into the NCAA tournament. Um, I've I got some rapid fire questions for you, but I first want to ask you about the matchup with Wisconsin and Michigan. You said that you think Wisconsin's going to win. Badgers haven't seen uh, the Wolverines this year. Uh, Wolverines have caught fire as of late. They had a big home win over Michigan State not too long ago. How, how is Wisconsin, how are Wisconsin, how is Wisconsin going to get tested uh, against Michigan? What, what are the Wolverines going to really do that they're going to kind of push Wisconsin to their uh, outside their comfort zone? Yeah, well, the reason I say that more than anything is I like their match. Right, uh, I'm talking about how good Demetrius Trice has been uh, on the offensive end, but Demetrius Trice has been really good on the defensive end. So mm -hmm. when you watch that game Thursday night, there's a couple of keys in my opinion. How does Demetrius Trice guard Xavier Simpson? Is he able to get into Xavier Simpson and make him uncomfortable? I think he's going to be able to do that. Now, if he picks up a cheap foul or a couple of fouls, that's going to change the trajectory of that game. There's no question about that. That's one thing. The other thing is Isaiah Livers has come back. Since he's come back, Michigan has gotten back to what they're doing, playing at a high level, making shots, all of it. 
for me, the big thing there, when I look at it, is Brad Davidson is he able to get all the screens. You know, how are they going to be able to defend him? I think together, that two matchup and those two matchups will be the key of the game. I understand that, you know, Michigan has a front line as far as, uh, you know, Wagner, uh, Wagner and uh, Teske and what, what they could do. Uh, but I think big picture-wise, it's going to be the guard play that's going to determine that game. And I think the guards are going to be up for the challenge. What has you concerned with Wisconsin heading into March? I know we, we just talked for like five minutes about matchups and how matchups can determine success. But is it Wisconsin with when the three-point shooting goes away about offense? Yeah. Is, is that like the big concern for you when the shots don't yeah. fall, how to create offense? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to hate to say this because it's going to be a quick answer, but they've got to make shots. Yeah. Like, it's that simple. Like, with this group, they've got to make shots. And uh, I wish I could elaborate more on it and say, well, <laughs> if they do this screening action, if they do this. But it, it really comes down to getting quality shots and making shots. See, that's why we bring you on for that expert Big Ten Network analysis right there. That's what exactly, we're looking at. Yeah, right there. I know, right? Like, it's, sometimes it's the simple things in this game. Um, and with this group, it really is that. It is the simple things of, of that. Now, that being said, they still have to defend. They still have to play the way. They can't turn the ball over. They've got to make their free throws. All the things that they've been doing, they need to continue to do that. But they do, like, the biggest thing with this group and the biggest you know, pitfall is they need to make shots. And I wish there was more, you know, elaboration there, but that, that is stick to what you're doing and then make shots. All right, Brian, we're going to get you out here with our rapid fire. A couple ones for you uh, about your career. Uh, the best victory you were a part of is what? Well, good question. Um, best victory probably had to be during the uh, 2008 Big Ten tournament against Michigan State. Uh, we were down big and found a way to come back, and obviously that sealed the um, you know the Big Ten title, the tournament center. The worst loss you experienced in your tenure? North Dakota State. Midweek, January, Mid- Saturday morning, bye week of the Big Ten. Bo never did it again. No, and, and he never did it again. I don't think anybody ever will do it again. It was, <laughs> uh, it was one of We didn't even want to be there. Let's be honest. Uh, as players, we just, you know, we had a tough, we're in the middle of a big, tough Big Ten season, and uh, I, we had no desire to play North Dakota State. Like, it just, let us get a rest, let us whatever, and, you know, and then they bite you. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you, um, you know, overlook a team, and we, we for sure did. You guys, you were, if I recall, you guys were a little discombobulated, too, because wasn't uh, Greg and Pizma and Marcus Landry, weren't they recently ruled ineligible? So you're kind of missing two sure. rotation guys, too, right? Correct. Yeah, we missed two guys that were big rotation guys, Marcus, Craig. Uh, so we had to try to figure it out. And, you know, let's just say that was a tough. Those were tough. Uh, tough. That was a tough year. Uh, we still made the tournament. We still were able to, you know, keep that streak going. Uh, but it was a that was a tough one. Anytime you lose two guys, tough enough to lose one. Um, as you know, we we see what this group has done. Well, we lost two of them. You know. Yeah, well, then you guys came back next year and you were the number one team in the country. So it all kind of figures it out, I guess. It balances, right? Mm-hmm. The toughest place that you played in was where? Uh, Breslin, Michigan State. Uh, Mackey was pretty close. Mackey was pretty close, but I think uh, what uh, what Michigan State did, how good they were, obviously, that plays a huge fact. What was the worst place to play in the conference? Worst place? Probably Penn State at the time. They, they, you know, they, the atmosphere there wasn't great. 
um, it was it was pretty dull. Uh, now <laughs> I think it's one of the better places. They mm-hmm. got that thing rolling here. Best player you ever played with was who? Best player I ever played with uh, in college is that what we're going with? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's got to probably be Vin Tuck, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you look at what he's done, but I, so many great guys. Uh, you know, I think everyone. The, the thing about this group was everyone fit their role. Everyone knew what their role was. No one tried to, you know, do anything what they could do. Uh, so I mean, all all the guys I played with were great, really. What is your most memorable shot that you took or you made, and or your most memorable moment for you individually? Yeah, probably the bank at Indiana. <laughs> um, I, I actually this year I had a call, and I'll be back in uh, in Bloomington this week. Uh, upcoming next week, I should say, and uh, their uh, their uh, SID says right there. That's where you made the shot. So I know it stuck around a little bit. So it's probably that um, as far as you know, game winner and Assembly Hall, one of the uh, you know most famous arenas ever. And uh, yeah, we'll go with that one. I think that was Valentine's Day, two thousand eight. I want to say because Indiana was right there with you guys in the Big Ten race, and that kind of they were. that helped separate you guys from the Hoosiers. It did. It was a huge, huge, huge win for us, and uh, like I said, sealed the Big Ten championship. What's your funniest Bo Ryan story that you like to tell? Oh yeah, I love the I love the one. He always sits in the, the back of the plane, and I've always questioned why he sat, <laughs> sat in the back of the plane. And he said, "Listen, I've never seen a plane that went down tail first. Though he goes so if it goes down, I'm gonna have a chance to survive." <laughs> I always told Coach, I said this to him my senior year. I said, "Coach, if that plane goes down, we're all going down, my man." Yeah, he's never seen a plane back into a mountain. That's that's both for you. He's always looking for an edge. Exactly. Exactly. And the last one for you, Brian. I, matchups aside, this team, how far do you think they can go in the tournament? Well, this year especially, uh, again, we've said it. They have some limitations. There's no question about it. Uh, but I think this group has the potential you know, to make a Sweet 16 run, obviously. Uh, and then from there, you, you don't know. Um, they've got to make shots, though. They have the potential to be a first, you know, Sweet 16, but they also have the potential to, to be on the first round. Uh, that, but that's what this year is in college basketball. That's not a um, an indictment on this Badger team. It's just that's what college basketball is this year. And that's why it's so enjoyable. You know, the next two and a half weeks before Selection Sunday, tournament play now coming out, wrapping up conference titles. Um, it's, it's an exciting two and a half weeks. Put your, put your seatbelt on and buckle up because it's going to be fun. And that is our show for this week. My thanks again to Mr. Brian Butch. Uh, for being so generous to this time on on Wednesday morning, he he just had gotten off the radio uh, with uh, with BJ and the Bear, and he talked another thirty minutes and really good conversation with Brian. Very insightful. You can tell that he has got that uh, Big Ten Network analysis cap on firm that he uh, had some really good insight that I appreciate him sharing uh, with me and with all of you. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. Follow along at BadgerBlitz.com for all of your information on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. And, of course, follow our site at Badger underscore Blitz. Wisconsin, Michigan tonight at uh, at the Chrysler Center. And then Wisconsin and Minnesota Sunday at the Kohl Center. We'll recap both of those for you next week here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media.